I'm Mark Riddell and today I'm going to be spending some time talking about one of the most common types of cyber attack that we get involved in here at M3 and that is business email compromise. Welcome to TechSess, the show that provides the information you need to know so that technology can help your business to be more successful. So I'm going to cover talking about what is business email compromise attacks, how to make yourself a harder target, what to do if you've already clicked on a link and we'll also cover some of the telltale signs of phishing attacks. And I'll also try and give some examples of some real phishing attacks that we have been involved in here and we've helped provide incident response for M3. Obviously, I have to keep the details very light to protect the victims and the companies that were affected. But hopefully, I'll give you some idea of the real cyber attacks that are actually affecting businesses like yours every day. Some of the information I'm going to share with you today is actually taken from the National Cyber Security Center's business email compromise infographic PDF that they have. And I will be sure to include a link in the show notes to this document. So if you do want to get your hands on it so you can actually see this information and retain it, store it, print it, stick it up in your office somewhere so that other people can see it, then you'll be free to do that. Let's talk about what is business email compromise. Well, it is a form of phishing attacks, and I'm pretty sure that we're all familiar with what a phishing attack is. But a business email compromise is a little bit more sophisticated, and they're usually out to target specific people, right? And those specific people are usually, you know, senior executives, directors, CEO levels, the C-suite, and particularly people that actually have access to the finances within the business. So your accounts department, anyone that deals with invoicing and payment processing. And the criminals behind business email compromise attacks will send convincing looking emails that might contain unusual requests for payment or potentially links to dodgy websites. And, you know, some of the emails might even contain viruses disguised as harmless attachments like an invoice or something like that that will activate when it's opened. So unlike a standard phishing email where they're sent out to you know millions of people, a business email compromise attack is crafted to appeal to specific individuals and can be really hard to detect because they're made to look like you know they come from your suppliers, potentially your customers, and probably getting emails from people like the CEO to the accounts department requesting them to transfer money and that kind of stuff. So it is a threat to all organisations of all sizes and all sectors. So it's one thing that we've seen is very common and can affect, like I said, all sizes and shapes of business. And the financial losses can be quite extreme and very difficult, if not impossible, to recover from. But how do you go about making yourself a harder target for cyber criminals and particularly to avoid the business email compromise attack? Well, you know, information that is easily viewed on you know work and private websites including social media accounts you know can be used against you to make the phishing emails more convincing so a bit of social engineering going on right so anything that you put out there even if you don't think it's really that important or it's not information that you deem to be you know important that can be used against you in ways that you probably will not even appreciate until it actually happens so you want to review you know any privacy settings and Really think about what you're posting across your social and professional accounts. Now, of course, there's lots of security features in Facebook and LinkedIn, etc., where you can lock 
those accounts down so that only people that you're connected with and people that you trust, I guess, can actually see that information. And even when it comes to things like Facebook, you might want to actually make sure you restrict that even further because there's been lots of cases where someone might receive a friend request and it's made to appear like maybe it's like an old schoolmate or something like that or a friend of a friend kind of thing. So in the first case, they will create like a fake account that you might think it's actually a genuine friend and it's not. Or in the second example, an attacker may create a fake profile, connect with one of your friends and then hopes that you will accept a friend request from them because they see that you've got a friend in common. Um, And it's very easy for people to say, well, I'm not sure if I remember that person. The name kind of rings a bell kind of thing and you accept a connection request. And of course, then that person can then see everything that you're posting on your profile. You should also be aware of what your friends and family and colleagues are saying about you online, because this can also reveal information that can be used, you know, to target you. So, you know, for example, on Facebook, even if you don't have your date of birth or your birthday as public information, one of your friends might know it's your birthday and then just post in your timeline saying, hey, happy birthday. So now, you know, an attacker knows your date of birth, even though you've not actually made that information public. So, you just kind of got to be careful what other people say about you online as well because they can reveal information that can be used against you. Now, if you do spot a suspicious email, then you should flag this as spam or junk in your inbox and you know definitely don't take any action, don't open it, don't forward it to anyone. You should tell your IT support provider immediately and that you've identified it's potentially unsafe. Now, some IT companies might have a way of reporting that through email security or spam filter that they provide to you they might ask you to forward the email to them so that they can actually look into it and then they can tell you very quickly whether that email is um, genuine or not but it's also best to err on the side of caution when it comes to these things because you know once you open it and you download an attachment or you click on something of course we all know it's far too late by that point so well the emails that you send get mistaken for phishing emails so you should consider, you know, telling customers and, and staff particularly that, for example, you know, you'll see websites say, like banks say, we will never ask you for your password. We will never ask you to confirm your PIN number, right? So it's the same for, you know, if you're the managing director or CEO and, you know, you're running a business, if you've got a finance or accounts department, you should tell them, I will never send you an email asking you to transfer money. So if they do receive an email and it's made out that it looks like it's coming from you to make a payment to an account, they will know, hang on, you know, Mark's told me that he will never actually send this by email. He will never ask me to do this by email. So that would be a red flag, right? Where then if you're in the accounts department, you'd be saying, okay, there's something not right here. Either Mark's forgot what he told me or he's busy and he's just actually doing this by email. So what I should do is pick up the phone and ask him and say, did you send this through? And you'll find out that in pretty much all cases that the email isn't genuine. It wasn't sent from who you think it was sent from. What to do if you've already clicked? And we kind of already covered this just a few seconds ago, but the most important thing is not to panic. Your IT department or your IT provider should have steps in place to deal with this kind of incident if they think that a member of staff has been fished. So you should just tell someone as soon as possible. Tell your IT department, tell your IT provider, and because the earlier you tell them, then the more likely they are able to help. And then you're pretty much following their processes and 
the response is going to obviously be determined by you know how well they are prepared for this and obviously their skill sets and resources that they have in house you know if you're working with an IT provider that is very cybersecurity conscious and specialised in cybersecurity of course you're going to be in a much better place to make sure that any potential threat has been dealt with and they can put in steps to make sure that no bad comes of what's happened because you're really looking for some sort of guarantees and some confidence that you know you're not going to end up you know experience an actual business email compromise off the back of clicking on something so yeah i mean nowadays i think people are becoming more conscious of the fact that an IT provider is not just there to provide IT support, right? They're not just there to reset passwords and fix the printer when it doesn't work. There, there's far more value that the right IT provider will bring to you. And fortunately, you're not always going to realise that value until you actually have something disastrous like a cyber attack going on to understand that your IT provider um, is actually there and has got your back. <laughs> So I'm going to give you some examples later on in this episode of some real cyber attacks and particularly phishing business email compromise attacks that we've seen. But I just wanted to cover the telltale signs of phishing and how to spot phishing emails because it is becoming increasingly difficult and even the most careful users can you know, easily be tricked you know, into clicking or doing something with a phishing email because... You know, you kind of have to have the, you know, the confidence to ask if is this genuine? And, you know, that's that's often the difference between staying safe and something bad happening. So, you know, think about the usual working practices around the financial functions within your business. Like I said earlier, if you get an email from your CEO asking you to transfer money, then you should really be suspicious about that because if that's not something that would normally happen, then why is it happening now, right? So anything that's out with the norm. You also want to look for emails that appear to come from anyone that's high ranking within your organization requesting payments to a particular account. Double check the sender's name and email address. You know, does this sound legitimate? You know, are they trying to mimic someone? So for example, you know, is it their writing style? You know, quite often these kind of emails have a, a misspelled word or some bad grammar in it because they're maybe not written by people that have English as their first language. So quite often you'll be able to spot things like Steve wouldn't use that word. He would never start an email like this. He would always say, hi, such and such. But this email says hello. And he never writes hello in an email. So why is he writing that now? So you start to learn your colleagues and their writing styles. Now, of course, in big organisations, I think this becomes more tricky, right? Because how often would the C-suite or the CEO be emailing someone in the finance department? Because there's a bigger gap, right? They probably have never met in organisations that are large enough. It's much harder then if you're someone working in a large organisation to know, is this someone's you know typical writing style? Because you've maybe never had an email from them before. In smaller businesses, then it's much easier to understand that, yeah, I mean, we get emails back and forward all the time and I would be able to spot quite easily that this email is not from this person. You know, for example, you know, if the if the colour of the text in the email is not right or the signature is not there. So we say, well, we always have an email signature and this email, you know, the font is a different size or it's it's blue instead of black and actually our, our company email signature is missing out of the footer. You know, that would obviously be something that could, you know, ring alarm bells with you. Now, of course, we know that lots of email was actually read on phones these days. I think it's about 70% of 
of email is actually read on a mobile phone. And it's very hard and or much harder to spot um, fake or phishing emails on a phone because you don't quite see the actual send an email address. You can if you need to click on like the header part of it to expand that out. So it can be much easier to fulfill of a phishing email on a mobile phone. Now, of course, in day-to-day business, I wouldn't expect that finance departments and things are checking their emails in their phone. I would hope and expect that they are using a desktop, using a full email client like Outlook 2019, for example. You should also ensure that all other important email requests are verified using another method. So I've kind of alluded to this earlier in this episode by saying that, you know, pick up the phone you know, ask the person or something like that, you know, or, you know, if you're in a smaller company, you might be able to just to stick your head around the corner to someone's office and say, hey, you know, I just got an email from you. Did did you send that? And of course, you can quickly find out whether that's true or not. And, you know, does the email contain some sort of threat that wants you to, you know, act urgently? Quite often in phishing emails, there's a lot of pressure put on the user to take action straight away. So things like your account will expire or be deleted within 24 hours. You know, something bad's going to happen if you don't take action. You know, so they're trying to get you to to drop your guard and to respond usually on an emotional level where people actually will not think logically and create some sort of panic that, you know, if you don't do this, then something's going to go wrong or you're going to lose access to your account or whatever. Be very careful of anything that asks you to put real-time pressure on taking action. You know, a lot of these emails will try, and some of the best ones, will try and create official-looking emails. So they'll include logos, you know, graphics. I'm pretty sure we've, you know, we've all seen, like, the PayPal and Amazon fake phishing emails where they've got the real logos in there. It kind of looks genuine when you first open it at first glance. So when you start to look into the finer detail that you realise that it's not actually genuine. But for business email compromise attacks, these can actually be really 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 sophisticated and i'll give you some examples of things that we've seen now and obviously i can't go into you know the finer details of things but you know for example if you are dealing with a company and they are doing some work on your behalf so you're due to pay them an invoice of course what will happen is you'll get the invoice from the genuine company and then a few hours later you'll get another email looking like it comes from the same company with the invoice attached again saying, oh, we've actually made a mistake. We've changed our bank details recently and we now want you to pay the monies to this account and they'll give you the account number and sort code, etc. you know, in the email. Now, at first glance, you think, okay, well, they've made a genuine mistake. The email looks genuine. It's come from the same people. I was expecting, you know, this invoice. So, you know, why would I be suspicious of that? Well, what's actually happened there? is it's actually you that's being compromised, not the person that actually you think that sent the email. So in first glance, we've seen where basically people that have fallen a victim of this, they think that it's the person that sent them the email, so the company that they were getting the invoice from, they think it was them that's had a cyber attack and has been compromised, when in fact it's not, it's you. And what's actually happened there is an attacker has gained access to your email account. We'll use you know, Microsoft 365, an example. So an attacker has carried out a phishing attack on you maybe several months ago. They've maybe managed to find a breached password of yours on the dark web. And if that so happens to be a password that you use for your email, then they've managed to get into your email account. So somehow they've got access to your email account. And then what they've done 
is they've set a forwarder on your mailbox in the background and they've just created like a, a Gmail account for them to use for this purpose. And they've basically set a mail rule on your mailbox to monitor for trigger words like account, invoice, bank transfer, bank details, anything financial related. And that mail rule sits in the background and any emails that come in that have those words in it will basically trigger that rule and I'll send a copy of that email to the attacker, right? So the attacker has received the same email that you got, the genuine email from, you know, whoever it was that you were due to pay the money to. They've seen that and they basically then responded to that by spoofing the original sender, send an email to you telling you that the payment details are wrong and here's a new bank account to make payment to. And you think, well, that sounds really, really, really simple when you think about it. And that's the beauty of it. It is really simple, but it is really effective. And, you know, we've seen this happen to, I'm not going to say countless, but, you know, quite a few businesses that we've been involved with, you know, over the years, M3. And like I said, the beauty of it is in the simplicity of it. So I guess... You know, you might be thinking, well, how can you protect against that kind of thing? Well, come back to some of the things I've said already, which is if you receive an email, and this is the simplest way, if you receive an email asking you to change the payment details for a supplier or someone you do business with, you know, if this is a company you've not dealt with very often, you might, you know, think, okay, maybe this is genuine. But think about this. How often do you change your business bank account? Probably never, or maybe once or twice in the lifetime of your business. So how often would other businesses change their bank account? Probably just as infrequent as you. So it wouldn't be a common thing for a business to change um, their bank account payment methods. So come back to what I said earlier, pick up the phone and ask. Just simple as that, just ask. And if they say, yeah, that's fine, we have changed our bank account and that's genuine, cool. You know, you know that it's okay to go ahead. But don't just take things at face value is probably what you're gathering from a lot of this information. Of course, the other steps you can take is to make sure that no one can actually get access to your email mailboxes in the first place to, you know, set up that mail rule and trigger those emails. So how can you do that? Well, of course, the easiest way if you're using Microsoft 365 is with multi-factor authentication. So you're probably familiar with this, sometimes called two-factor authentication, where you have another authentication method, usually either through a text message or quite often using an authenticator app, so like Google Authenticator or the Microsoft Authenticator app, where you'll generate like a six-digit code. And then that code, along with your username and password, is used to get access to your mailbox. And that prevents any new attempted logins to your mailbox. So, of course, even if the attacker, well, it's easy to get an email address, so they've already got that. Even if the attacker gets your password somehow, either through a breached account that they found a copy of a, a password on the dark web or they've managed to carry out a phishing attack for you and you've somehow given away that password information somehow in the past, they're still not going to be able to get access to your mailbox because they can't generate, obviously, the, the multi-factor authentication code. So if you don't have multi-factor authentication, you know, enabled on your 365 accounts, it's absolutely the best thing that you can do to put in place. And then second to that is to make sure that you just become more vigilant and you actually just question things. Uh, it's not an inconvenience for someone to just to answer a simple question as to, you know, whether they actually sent you that second email, right? Because you're going to prevent a lot of financial loss potentially because, you know, I've seen examples where someone was due to pay out £20,000 to a company and actually went ahead and made the payment and, and somehow the attackers managed to 
screw up and get the, the bank details wrong or something like that. And anyway, the bank payment got stopped. But had that bank payment gone through, it wouldn't have been the bank's fault because it was a manual payment, right? So the payment would have went through. So you'd have lost £20,000 and you're still due to pay the £20,000 on the original invoice to your supplier. So, you know, rather than just costing you £20,000 for what you actually wanted to get done, it's now costing you £40,000. And without a cybersecurity insurance policy in place, the chances of recovering that £20,000 that you paid to the attackers is slim to none. It's different for every business, but, you know, look at the kind of typical sizes of invoices that you pay out. And, you know, if you're paying out big invoices in one go, and even, you know, if you're a bigger company, you know, it could be a big problem. But, you know, if you're a small business, even if you're paying out, you know, a £2,000 invoice, if you had to suffer that £2,000 loss and pay out again to pay the original invoice, you know, what impact would that have in your business? You know, if that only happens once. And then there's also that thing of thinking, well, someone was in my email mailbox and it's like someone being in your house, you know, it's an uncomfortable feeling. You know, I know how people feel after that. You kind of feel kind of quite violated that, you know, someone has been able to, you know, have access to all of your all of your emails and it's particularly, you know, financial information and things as well. So again, and in that situation, you need to be confident that your you know, IT department or your IT provider, you know, has that taken the appropriate steps to secure your mailbox and to remove those mail rules. I have seen examples where IT companies have just basically changed the password for the mailbox and thinking that that was it dealt with because, okay, if the password has been changed, they can't get in anymore. But the damage is done. You know, they don't need any anymore because that mail rule is just sitting there, right? So that mail rule is going to sit there forever until someone actually checks that that mail rule is there and then deletes the mail rule, right? So if you don't deal with that, it will just, this is just going to happen again because the attackers are going to continue to receive invoices and payments and that in the future. And it's only a matter of time before, you know, something that they do might trigger you to actually make a fraudulent payment to them. So make sure that you have confidence that your mailboxes have actually been properly kind of cleaned and you have some confidence that you're protected from this going forward. So I hope this has been a useful episode of TechSess. I just wanted to, you know, follow on from the ransomware episode talking about how cyber attacks can, you know, affect all sizes of businesses and particularly really hurt the small and medium-sized businesses when it comes to financial loss. So I hope that you enjoyed this and you got some great information out of it. Again, links to the National Cybersecurity Centre's information on business email compromise will be included in the show notes. And all it's left for me to say is please remember and follow and subscribe to TechSess wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.